be here tomorrow. Three simple words, but that's the message that we're trying to get across. What you're about to hear is a story that isn't told very often, but it should be. That led me to walk to the Time Bridge and curl up into a ball, essentially, up against one of the railings and just really sit and think and try to build up the courage to to take my life. Over the last year, we've covered so many stories about mental health and suicide and about the stigma of talking about it. And I thought the best way to learn more is to speak to the people who've been through that journey. At that point, my whole world collapsed and that's when I realised that actually, yeah, I've got a problem here. That began a spell of, I think, six weeks in bed. I lost nearly two stone in weight because I just didn't eat. But did you know suicide is the biggest killer of men in the northeast? In fact, it's the biggest killer of all men under 45 across the UK. 12 men every single day think suicide is their only option. If I'm honest, before I was a journalist, I'd never really discussed the subject. I'm sure there were friends, even family who had problems, but it all passed us by. But now as I learn more, I don't feel scared to ask, scared to talk about it, or scared to hear what people have to say. One of my friends, Darren Bales, opened up to me about his struggles. He's the inspiration behind the special. I think that my friends just thought it was a blip in my energy levels, and I felt that because they hadn't picked up on it, it wasn't something that I could go and burden them with. And even when all of that came out and the messages of support started flooding in and people were absolutely fantastic, there were times when I'd be laid in bed having really, really dark, horrible thoughts. And despite having a phone full of 10, 20, 30 messages that said, give me a call or I'm there for you, I couldn't think of a single person who would want to hear about how I was feeling or didn't have enough problems of their own at the time that I would be significant enough. And it, it was just awful. People will be listening and they'll be thinking exactly the same thing. But hearing that there's other people going through what you've went through, hopefully we'll be able to, to tell people out there that there is help available. There's people that want to speak to them. I don't want to dwell on it too much about the days when you thought that your life wasn't good enough, but we have to talk about stuff like this because it's a taboo subject. At what point did you feel like, I don't want to go on anymore? So this was in middle of August that I first thought, right, I can't cope with how I'm feeling. Um, the feelings got so deep that it was forcing my stomach to churn, unable to eat, sick, dizzy, of just despair where I, I wasn't good enough, I wasn't achieving enough. And that led me to walk to the Time Bridge. Funnily enough, a walk that I, I've just done to, to, to come here today. And curl up into a ball essentially up against one one of the railings and just really sit and think and try to build up the courage to to take my life um crazily i got up and left because i worried about getting in trouble with the police if they drove past anyone who's listening to this and going through anything similar speak to someone text someone uh tweet someone like darren did do you want to tell us about twitter and how that helped one day, I it was actually the day I went to the doctors, I shared with my followers on there what I'd been going through, and the response was just incredible. People who were going through exactly the same thing, people whose journey had been kind of word for word exactly what I, what I was tweeting about. I think the most important thing for me from that was that people were saying that what I was sharing and the support that they could see coming back was really helping them as well. 
it, it, that was the most cathartic thing that I did, getting it out into the open. And it was scary because people from work saw this and friends saw this. But it was the most helpful thing that I did to get me out of bed and, and out of a frame of mind of, of not being here. The stats are terrifying. I've read so many reports. It's unbelievable that we don't talk more about suicide. I know it's taboo, but we should be more open. We should be more honest with each other. I'm so glad that Darren has lived to tell his tale. County Durham man Daniel O'Hare didn't. He was only 19 years old when he took his own life. He had everything to live for. His brother now spearheads a campaign to try and get a specific government minister for suicide. Matthew says they're needed now more than ever before. I know for a fact that if Dan had spoke to the right person or if he took a step back, he'd still be here and he'd have fulfilled a good life, he'd have lived a happy life. Um, to have 300,000 signatures, it acknowledges that this is something that has to change. Let's hope it does come off. And if it does, what would you want the new minister's role to entail? What would you like them to do? We have to have some sort of education around this subject how that fits into the curriculum is a huge huge conversation but on an education level this has to be talked about it has to be because the only way it's going to be prevented is if we actually talk about it matthew works alongside his mum at if you care share they campaign tirelessly right across the northeast in fact the whole of the uk trying to get young people men boys especially to open up about how they're feeling and know about emotions they head into primary schools, they do our football academies, everywhere else in between. Here's Daniel's mum, Shirley. Shirley, it's about the elements of prevention, education. Daniel was taught to tie his shoelaces and he learned that Harry lost his eye in 1066. But actually at school, he wasn't taught about how important, you know, his well-being and emotionally, that periods of life, you are going to struggle. But no one to try and think beyond that. Because, you know, one thing that I have learned, Mickey, is that, you know, supported nearly 1,400 people who've been bereaved by suicide, you know, work with hundreds of people who've, who've been at a point where they struggled and contemplated taking their own lives. It can, can be, and I say can, because this is about the individual, the issues that they're facing may be temporary, but this is a permanent solution. Well, we put all this to the Prime Minister, Theresa May, when she visited Newcastle recently. She couldn't and wouldn't commit to a specific Minister for Suicide Prevention or direct funding to our suicide prevention charities. The issue of mental health, you're right, is absolutely critical for me. It's important for us as a country. For too long, mental health has not been given the attention that it deserves. We do need to, and that's why we're putting record amounts of money into mental health. We have actually put um, a, uh, been working on a strategy in relation to suicide to try and, and ensure that we can uh, see a reduction in the number of suicides that take place. Because this is, this is a real issue often people who have mental health problems who don't want to talk about their mental health problems and you know that can lead to, to real problems for them which can sadly have very tragic circum uh, consequences. So there's a variety of ways in which we're dealing with this but we're already putting a focus in policy terms on the issue of suicide. Well, the investment that she talks about is the fact that the government have promised £1 billion to go towards mental health by 2021. The families of people who've taken their own life tell me that's disappointing because we're losing people now. Today, in fact, 12 men will have killed themselves. The ripples from that will be felt for years to come. 
So let's try and make it okay for men to talk about their mental health. We've all got a responsibility to reduce the stigma that stops them feeling like they've got no other option. We need to create a society where men can open up without being judged. Thankfully, my friend Darren did talk out and he got help that he needed. He still says that there are times and days when he struggles. But I asked him when we were having our chats what advice he would give to anyone going through the same thing. It's more for the people who may think that they know someone who's going through something similar. That text message that says, I'm fine, it generally means that they're not. Probe, if you haven't picked up the phone to a friend recently and you've got any concerns at all, just ask the question and, and see how they are. It's so difficult to say to somebody, talk. It sounds so simple, it sounds so easy, but just believe that there is somebody there that wants to listen. Well, I spoke to Darren for a good half hour and his story's pretty powerful. So I'm really glad that he's still here to tell us all about it, really. It's really got me thinking about what's happening in my life. Do I need help for any of the worries I've got? And we definitely need to challenge the stigma about seeking help if you're a man. That's why right now I'm walking the route that Darren took back last August. I'm currently crossing the Tame Bridge and I'm heading across to Gated from Newcastle and I'm going to meet the people at Northeast Counselling Services. They've agreed to give me a session so we can get rid of the stigma and we can find out exactly what happens. Now, this big green bridge is an absolute icon. It is Newcastle, but it's also one of the places that's most used when people decide to take their own lives. I can't imagine what you're going through if you do it the smell of the fumes the sound of the traffic it's so noisy when you're walking across here i don't know if you can hear the seagulls up ahead i can see a blue light going across the redgift bridge it's a mix of emotions that you must be going through when you get to this point i know our culture in the northeast is that men are men and you should pull yourself together but i don't think that really helps one of the reports that I've been reading as part of this special said that 656 men died by suicide between 2013 and 2015 in the northeast. I'm just about halfway over the bridge now. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a look over the, the ledge and well, it's massively high up. You can see the water rushing out to sea. The people scale the barrier right here. And if you get to this point, looking down, another time supposed to be fresh water, but it's murky and brown. You must just feel like you've got no other choice left. This is the stuff that we probably should all be talking about, because people do get to this point and their pain is valid, it's real. And it matters because they're human, and they matter. And we want them to be here tomorrow, we don't want them to end up here now and think this is it. Katie. It is. Hi, nice, nice to, to meet, meet you. Katie. Thank you. Take a seat. Sit here. Thanks very much. So thanks for taking the time out to meet us and talk about counselling. Tell us a little bit about the Northeast Counselling Services. Not absolutely everyone who listens to ourselves will have heard of yourselves. So what do you do? What do you stand for? What is all about? The service we offer is for either families, individuals, 
where we would work with whatever issues or problems that they bring to counselling. People can be very suspicious of what counselling could actually mean. I think probably the long and short of that would be it's individual session, it's 50 minutes long, um, you're sitting in front of a qualified counsellor, um, the session can be anything the client would like it to be. It's a space to be angry maybe, it's a space to explore things that are, are difficult for individual people. It's definitely somewhere where you can come and maybe be challenged to look at different ways um, that you could make life different for yourself. The client always knows what the problem is and they actually also know what the answer is. And between us, we try to kind of get there and explore what that might mean for them. Well, let's break some stigmas. Let's do it then. Would you be able to show me around and, and maybe I can meet one of your counsellors and sit down with them? Uh, yes, I've spoken to, we have a counsellor, Tim Thorby, and Tim is going to go through kind of a session with you and that will help maybe your listeners to understand kind of what is said in those rooms. Hi, Tim. Hello. This is Nikki. Oh, hi, Radio. Hi, Tim. Nice, nice to, meet to meet you. Thank um, you so much, Katie. You're welcome and I'm going to leave you together. I'll okay, then. Thank you. Uh, well, thanks. Thanks for um, agreeing to see me. Thanks for, uh, for having me in. Um, so basically, Mick, I'd just like to ask you, uh, why are you here? I'm, I'm doing a special for the, for the radio show, and I've been speaking mm. to so many men as part of it. And yes. um, they all seem to have a similar theme about bottling stuff up and not wanting mm. to talk. And I've been kind of reevaluating the way I feel about certain things yes. and what I do with things and it so you feel like you're actually questioning your own way of doing things yeah it's a I know it's a man thing to mm-hmm. uh, not talk about your feelings um, but I want to I want to show that it's it's not bad to talk about your feelings yeah. I want to show that having a counseling session is isn't going to be the end of the world um, so as silly as yeah. I think my problems are. I just thought I'd like to to talk with someone, mm. um, and and get them off my chest, so to speak. Yeah, what we might think might be silly, may not actually be silly at all, and mm. might actually potentially be quite serious. Yeah. What would be an example for you? Uh, well, the main thing, um, which has been going on for quite a while actually, is my job is stressful at the best of times. Yes. Um, but last year, work wise, was one of the worst years I've ever had just due to mm-hmm. terror attack after terror attack after terror attack ah, mm. um, and the Manchester bombing happened just as I'd come back to work from paternity work uh, so paternity leave, I felt like work at the time, mm. paternity leave um, so I had a brand new son yes. and then the Manchester bombing happened and it kind of broke us down I would find myself at the end of my shifts just in utter tears you were actually really emotional. Yeah, and yeah. I had no connection to any of the people who were involved in the attack. I, I wasn't at the concert, I was just reporting on it. And and as part of my job, it was um, to gather audio from the people who were involved in the attack. So I was hearing stories, some horrendous stuff. And as part of my job as well, I get to see pictures and videos that aren't accessible to the public. So I was seeing stuff that really was absolutely horrendous so actually you were quite affected by the images that you saw yeah and yeah. the descriptions given by people who were there yeah 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 it honestly got to us mm. um since then I, I i sometimes find it's hard to get out of bed in the morning to go to work mm-hmm. not just because my alarm's four o'clock in the morning mm. 
but because I just I don't know if there's going to be another incident that's going to happen and I'm going to find myself just not knowing what to do I say so it's almost like as if you're fearing something happening yeah and you have to deal with it yeah again yeah the thing about my job is I read the news in the mornings so I suppose you have to yeah yes. I would have to like mm. I can't just say there's not going to be a news this hour mm. I'm too busy bawling my eyes out of what's just happened yes I literally have to put what I might be feeling aside and actually do a proper professional job because I need to give information to the people who are listening. So it sounds like as if there's quite a sort of like um, a difference in, in feelings here. One, you have, you're affected by what's happened yeah, or what is happening in front of your eyes. You're listening to people, you're seeing images. But secondly, there's the other part of it. There's the uh, cool professional part yeah. that needs to do a job, make sure everything is done right and correctly. Yeah. And it sounds like as if the two can be far apart sometimes. Yeah, they are. It's hard to kind of explain. They are polar opposites where you've got to be cool, calm and professional because it's a breaking news situation. Yes. So you've got to get all the information out there. There might be like the, um, the Manchester bombing. There was people from our region who, who were killed. And there's people who listen to our radio station who their family members were. So we're getting information in and and it's horrendous for me to hear and I've got to choose what to to give out and yeah. deliver that in a professional way. It seems to have struck a real core deep inside you. More than any other terror attacks from the years before, this one has been the one, I don't know if it was because I just became a new dad and some of the people who died were really, really young. Mm. Um, but this one has stayed with us and I, I still feel the effects over a year later. We've had to do like, yeah, year on anniversary specials yeah. where we spoke to family members and stuff like that and it's and it's really hard to hear them talking about them missing their loved ones yeah. and it's really hard because I, I feel like I'm just being stupid by I've had nothing to do with what happened I've but I've got all these feelings that it's really it's strongly weird. affected yeah, yeah well it sounds like Mick is it may be that the circumstances that you found yourself in I mean personally you um, had a new baby yeah you the Manchester bombing you were deeply affected by it yeah and it suddenly opened something within you for want of a better phrase I'm an emotional person when I'm at home yes when I'm at work I'm a I've got like a, a barrier a shell up I want people to sort of look at me like that's Mickey who does the news he's very professional no matter what spot on yeah no matter what story it is yeah. he'll be able to deliver it properly Whereas, cool collected. Ex yeah exactly yeah but inside, and this, I think that what, I, what strikes me about this particular occasion with the Manchester bombing and, of course, the local people being involved and just the, the horror of it, children, yeah. pop concert, all that. OK, then, so let's, uh, let's see where we're at. How do we tell people that it's all right to, to feel the way they do, that everything that they've got is a valid feeling and that they should just speak more openly? Well, you just said it yourself, in a way. Sometimes we just have to do things. Sometimes it can be really difficult to admit to yourself that you have a problem or you need to speak about something or you're feeling dreadful and you just don't know quite what to do. And, and I think the first step perhaps is to, don't get me wrong, it's really difficult, but it's actually beginning, I need to do something. You don't even necessarily know what it is, but you need to do something. And perhaps the way forward is to speak to somebody and maybe that's the way forward because in this sort of situation you know that you can 
talk about anything that you need to talk about and it will essentially it will be completely private and confidential yeah I feel it's it's really helped mm-hmm. me realise certain things that being able to talk to them talk about them openly as well mm. has really helped yes well that seems an appropriate way to um, to end I suppose doesn't it I yeah. suppose I should do the counselling thing and give a brief summary yes please which is yeah which is basically we talked about what a difference it made the, the incident in Manchester last year and how it affected you and surprised you by the sound of it yeah new circumstances new baby maybe that had an effect I think we spoke about that and how that difference between how you were at home, emotional, at work, putting on the professional mask, which of course you have to do to some extent, but nonetheless you felt perhaps sometimes it was too much yeah. and you, you needed to open up. Hopefully you can see a way forward. Yeah, yeah. definite way forward now. Oh, well, there you go then, I survived it. I kind of feel like there's been an invisible weight lifted off my shoulders. And obviously I've kind of wavered on my confidentiality normally if you have one of these sessions then nothing gets out but I wanted to kind of break down a barrier break down a stigma to show you that there there's nothing to worry about if you go to a counselling session it's just you and a counsellor talking things through and they won't be able to talk about you to anyone else it's like a private and confidential thing Um, I must admit I do feel a bit stupid about talking about the things that I'm going through when there's people out there with actual real life proper problems but I suppose the thing is that if I'd have kept that stuff all bottled up inside then who's to say it wouldn't have got much worse you know I hope if you have listened all the way through to to the special that we've just done there that you take a few things away from it that stigma is honestly the stupidest thing in the world we've got to get in front of our fears and we've got to have them push her on to better places If you take that first step, that going to talk to someone, that sending a friend a message, then you'll see that the second step, the third step, the fourth step, it just becomes much easier and becomes much better. And like I say, I feel like a little bit of a weight's been lifted off me just by talking to someone. If there's something going on in your life, if you found yourself in a slump, you're feeling down, you're in a bad place and you don't know why, then reach out is probably the one thing I would ask you to do. There's people out there who care about you, they're thinking about you, they love you. And it can be a simple text message, a tweet, get them on Facebook or give them a phone call, you know. Because at the end of the day, everyone wants you to be here tomorrow.